This city is all about sharing memories of wonderful London and that's why I'm even more excited to be working with one of my most favourite brands for this series. When I tell you that Instax are the instant photo people and their cameras and smartphone printers are super easy to use, I mean it. They are perfect because we all know that the best memories need to be captured in the moment. And I'm definitely talking from experience here because I've had an Instax camera for years and everyone who comes to visit my home, there's a rule. You must take an Instax photo and stick it in my guest book. It is one of my all time favorite things. Life is meant to be shared and I love, love, love that I've captured those moments with my friends and family forever. So whether you want to keep and treasure your pics like I do, give them away to loved ones to reminisce on a special time or one better, gift an Instax camera or printer, you can find out more at instax.co.uk. Hello, I'm Clara Ampho and welcome back to This City, the podcast where we talk to famed inhabitants of wonderful London. Each episode will delve into the past favourite places, the current favourite places, the dance spots, the food spots, the night bus stories, stories of school where we fell in love from some of our favourite famous faces, whether they were born here or adopted our capital. This episode's guest is somebody that I've got a lot of time for. She is a lovely and talented writer, actor and showrunner. She's somebody that you may have seen back in the day in EastEnders, E20, in Pramface, and more recently she's had turns in The Duchess, uh, the iconic Father Brown, and she's currently showrunning uh, Karen Peary on ITV. And also she's been in The Curse with one of our faves, the lovely Alan Mustafa. I am of course talking about Ema Kenny, a bona fide brains and beauty babe. Ema, we've got a lovely real life internet. Really, I think there's a lot of love intention there. Yeah. Burgeoning there is. friendship connection, have we not? <laughs> oh, it's yeah, there. big time. I was trying to remember where we actually met first, and I actually can't remember because it feels like it's been going on for a long time. It's been a, this has been a long, this has been one of probably one of my <laughs> longest, and may I say, maybe significant relationships today. <laughs> Dear listener, um, I welcome you to the podcast, the wonderful writress, actress, showrunner galore, the wonderful <laughs> E. McKenney, who you probably would have recently seen in The Curse. You might know her from Pramface, Father Brown. She is the showrunner, writer, the empress of the brilliant Karen Peary, the only Karen that we fuck with on this podcast. Karen Peary. The on, only Karen. The only Karen that we approve of on ITV. And <laughs> she's amazing. And I'm just excited to talk because... This woman's head is full of ideas, full of stories, and obviously <laughs> full of love for London. Welcome to this city, Ema. How are you living? Oh, I'm living good. I am great. How are you? I'm really, really good. Uh, thank you so much for coming on for a chat. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Now, um, as you said, um, you were trying to figure out where we first met, and I'm not sure I can remember either. And the funny thing is with this podcast, I always ask people or talk to people about like the first like London memory that, that we have. But I I think the last time I think I saw you was at some sort of like film party thing. Yeah. Um, in Back central to... London. Yeah. And yeah. we were we were enjoying a few uh complimentary drinks, having a good gossip. Talking about boys. You know, I never talk about boys. What do you mean? <laughs> Shush. Don't burn my cover. <laughs> um, 
Do you find those parties strange? Being a, you know, a creative professional, do you find yeah. those parties odd? I find them unbearable. And that's why it's always nice when you spot a face where you're like, oh, okay, you over there, I know I've got you. So at that party, I was like, yes, Clara. And then Himesh Patel turned up who I was in EastEnders with. And it's like these people you've known forever and you're like, a oh, real person. And then you can just lock in and like yeah. have a good chat. Yeah. Be in the corner and people watch. Yeah, exactly. And not um, talk about boys. Exactly. <laughs> Never. Um, I love that you mentioned EastEnders because look, if there is anything that is more iconic to our glorious city, it is that soap opera. Um, that's yeah. where a lot, I think a lot of people like, got to know you first. Um, yeah. And if you're over talking about it, I'm going to say tough titty. Sorry, because I'm going to make you anyway. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm never over it. <laughs> um, what, what do you do when, I don't know, you're summoned to sort of be part of the Diff Diff crew? So it was a weird one for me because I'd been writing on a spin-off called E20. Um, it was me and 12 other teenagers. And um, we'd written this character and uh, they knew I was an actress and I'd been reading her in the room when we'd been writing her, but we didn't think that I would play her. And then two days before we started shooting, they still hadn't found her and they called me and they said, would you read? And I think the thing that I was nervous about is that EastEnders, as you say, it's just this juggernaut of a show it's not like a you know a little comedy on BBC three which gets like a couple of hundred thousand viewers it's like millions and millions of people you're in their living rooms every night and I found that really daunting as a 19 year old and um I auditioned and they they offered me the part and I called my agent and she said look (laughs) a lot of people a lot of people learn learn to act in drama school or in little theatres all over the place and if you go on EastEnders you will be on camera every day and you will get really good at what you do and I I think that's that's no bad thing so I just sort of like gulped and said yes and ended up in this enormous show for a year of my life when I was really young and I I, the 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 time I realized like how impactful it was was the first episode I was in I walked out of my house and I was walking to the pub to meet my friend and a black cab stopped and the cabbie leant out the window and said were you just in EastEnders? And I was like, oh yeah, my life's just changed. <laughs> okay. And that was really, it's really weird. But there is something about, there's something so edifying about being validated by a London cab driver. I don't know what it is. They have this, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if they, if they're nice to you, if they clock you, like it's a really, it's a really priceless feeling, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of them, mainly because a lot of them will just say, no, nah, I don't watch it. I know where you are, but I don't watch it. <laughs> so when they're nice to you, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh my God, please. Thanks, please. More validation. Please, 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 please. So you're 19 <laughs> years old. Um, tell me about the first time you stepped yeah. onto the set. Oh my gosh. If you remember. Yeah, I do. I do. My my character, uh, her main family member was Shirley Carter, whose character is is intimidating. And um, <laughs> I walked in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, Linda who plays her, uh, she's lovely, but, uh, like, you know, she, she she takes a moment to warm up to you, I think. Um, and I walked on and I was, I was shaking with nerves. Um, and I went into that set though, you know, which are just sort of wooden boards (laughs) in a big studio. Um, and it's just so iconic. And I sat down with her and... I think I can't really remember it went up by in a blur, but it was just so weird because, you know, we all we've all watched it, especially in our teenage years. Like 
it's iconic, you know. I think if you've managed to go through your teenage years, especially as a Londoner, without having watched an episode of EastEnders, I don't know what you've been doing. Haven't um, That's so, what. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was absolutely mental. Um, and then yeah, it went from there. So that's fictional. Obviously, that's a fictional character. So I was talking about real life Ema. So you're a North London oh, right. girl. Yeah. You are. Um, talk to me about like growing up like in London. Do you remember the first sort of like, I guess, trip that like your parents like might have taken you on? Because like, I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, like my dad like took us to like Buckingham Palace and like to Trafalgar Square. And it was like, oh my God, like, what is this? And like even getting on the bus was an adventure. Do you remember like that first sort of yeah. little London adventure you had as a kid? Yeah, I remember at my primary school, I won in the raffle. <laughs> Uh, a trip to Tower Bridge to press the button that raises Tower Bridge. <laughs> That's amazing. When I was like seven or something. And yeah, you just go down to the tower and you sit there and I don't know, like I guess a ship was coming through or something and uh, it parts and opens and I got to press the button. Um, I don't think you can get more iconic London than that. <laughs> That's, and also that's pretty um, trusting of them to let a little seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Control the bridge. I think, I think my parents were on both sides. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Um, were you much of a raver as a teenager in the sea? Were, or were you quite bookish? Because obviously, look, Ema, as we talk, you know, you've got your glasses on. You're giving me naughty librarian. Obviously, very cerebral. <laughs> There's one thing I know um, about you is that you're, you're a very intelligent woman. So one thing I love and oh. respect about you. Um, were, were you quite a bookish teen or were you, were you out in the club? And if so, do you remember the, one of the first clubs you went to? Yes, I do. Um, I No, I, I did go out a lot as a teenager. I started to, to get my head down a bit later in life right. with the books. Um, I remember there was a, my, the first time I got drunk in London was when I was about 15 and we went into Soho and I borrowed a fake ID. Did you look anything like the person in the picture? <laughs> it was me, but it said like, it was one of those ones which said like University, University of Solihull or something. It was right. like, <laughs> it was so fake. It was so, so fake. Um, so my first night out in London was, I think, at a place called Cheapskates in Soho. <laughs> I think it was Dean Street or Wardour Street. I and it was in a club called Moonlighting. And I feel like, <laughs> I think it had leopard carpet. It did. And leopard walls, I believe, as well. Yes. Yeah. And they used to give out sandwiches at like 2am. <laughs> like cling film wrapped ham sandwiches. And there was always a rumour that the, the alcohol was like mixed with white spirit because it was so cheap. <laughs> Did you go? I did. And do you know what? Do you know who else used to go to Cheapskates? The critically acclaimed brain of Britain, the incredible Rennie Edo Lodge, used to go to Cheapskates. Oh my gosh! Yes. So she, <laughs> and she said so on this very podcast. I love it. So all the bookish girls were there. Exactly. All, all, that's where all the hot book girls go. Yeah. She's got cheapskates. We could get a drink for 99p, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a lot of that as a teenager. Cheapskates. Who was who was in the gang? Were you were you the fearless leader? It was my older brother, who's two years older than me, and all of his mates, and I fancied them all <laughs> so much. Actually, I shouldn't say that because now they'll <laughs> they'll be their heads will get so big from hearing that. But um uh I was about 15, they were about 17, and I used to just bring my friends along and we would go and drink 99p shots and uh yeah just I was too young <laughs> but it was a good experience and I can't walk past it now without being like oh moonlighting club memories well maybe maybe it will inspire like the next show that you write I think there's something in that oh that's a good idea just just want to yes. bookmark what, what's a bookmark night about you know? um were you a <laughs> night bus connoisseur 
Oh yeah, big time. Love the night bus. Um, I uh, yeah, there was there were a couple that went home straight from Tottenham Court Road from that sort of area, and I was on them all the time. Or there was one from Old Street, the two on four, which was my favourite. Yes. Great bus. I met my husband um, at a night in Angel, and we got the bus home together, and then. We took the bus a lot in our early days of our relationship and then we got engaged at a bus stop. <laughs> Don't lie. No. I'm serious. This news, honestly, I'm actually beaming. Because as you know, I say it every year, whenever you do your happy anniversary post yourself, uh, dear listener, if you don't know, I'm sure you do, but Ema's husband is the wonderful broadcaster, Rick Edwards, who's a fantastic human being. I'm, I'm healthily, I would say, invest in your relationship. Like I'm, I'm always cheering for you. <laughs> I had no idea oh. about the Transport for London narrative that has woven its way in your relationship. So you met at a club yeah. in Angel. Yeah, so we were at um, a comedy club, the Old Queen's Head. It's a pub, but they have comedy nights upstairs. Oh yeah, no, very well, yeah. I was setting hit, uh, my friend, a comedian who was on stage up with my friend. And they sort of went off after the show and they were sort of talking on the street corner and me and Rick were waiting at a bus stop. And he, I thought he hated me because he was reading his emails. I <laughs> we mean, were standing there at the bus stop. I mean, stop that's not us. great form, is it? Come on. You've got a hot babe in front of you. Why is your, why is your you know, your face in your phone well, checking your inbox? Please. I know. And he was re- he started reading out an email he got from a girl to me because he was dating a couple of girls. And um, I was sort of sitting there thinking, this guy. But that is Rick's humour. He's quite hard to get. He, he, <laughs> he you know, he's a little, he's mean with it. Um, and uh, <laughs> we got on the bus and he was, he'd sat on a different seat, you know, like I was in one side and he was in the other. Oh, my and, um, God. <laughs> I know. And I leant over to my friend and I said, he hates me. And uh, my friend was said he, to me, was no. Was he reading the game or something? Like, what the hell is this? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. His head was a mess. I don't know what he was doing. And he, my friend turned around to me and said, no, he fancies you so much. And I was like, well, then what is this? This is a 34-year-old man. Anyway, I get home and immediately I get a text, or a, a thing come up on my phone. Rick Edwards has followed you straight away. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we got engaged six weeks later. <laughs> wait, okay. Now, wait, 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 wait. Now, during this bus journey, did he talk to you, like, for any of it? Or was it just him on the other side of the bus and you I looking think... at the sights of North London on your way home? <laughs> I think he did talk to me a bit, yeah. I think we were just sort of like, it was playful, flirting. Uh, yeah, like, but he was definitely, like, not putting his cards on the table straight away. When I got that follow, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, six weeks later or seven weeks later, you're engaged? Yeah, seven actually. Yeah, seven weeks, yeah. So were you doing like cute little bus dates? Like, like, like this, this is, I mean, this is an amazing courtship story and I'm not going to make the whole podcast about it, but obviously I'm, I'm a reluctant romantic. I've accepted that about myself. So I'm just, I, I'm just, oh, I just want to know. So like, what what were you going for park walks? Like pre COVID, obviously it's pre COVID before it became chic. What what, what were you doing around <laughs> around town? We were both in some complicated situations. He'd had a breakup, and I was sort of going through a breakup. So I think that's par- partially why he was sitting on the other side of the bus from me. It was a bit like this isn't great timing for both of us. But um, he uh, DM'd me, and 
we were just talking about our sort of respective breakups and uh he he was he would dm me about dates that he was on <laughs> being like this girl is so boring <laughs> i know it was mental <laughs> i know i know and then um one night, I, I, my relationship like was really, really over, and I said, "I just got dumped, Rick." And he said, "Well, it's your birthday tomorrow, isn't it?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Well, what are you doing for your birthday?" And I said, "Nothing now. I just got dumped, Rick." And he said, "Okay, like meet me one p.m. at a restaurant. I'm I'm taking you for lunch on your birthday." And um, I went to the restaurant, and he had like party poppers, champagne, like birthday card all over the table. And honestly, we'd known each other for about a week. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> wow. And then, oh, yeah. And and uh, that's after that, we had our first kiss. Um, and then, yeah, it went from there. Dare I ask where it was? I think it was on the corner by BBC Broadcasting House. Cause he- <laughs> How on brand? <laughs> Fantastic. Because he had a meeting at BBC after. This is honestly the most stunning love story. At God, when? Please. Please, I beg. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. Who doesn't love the gift of an amazing memory? I love making this podcast because everyone enjoys a good reminisce. And I'm being honest when I say I am thrilled to be working with Instax on this series. An Instax camera or smartphone printer is such a great gift for anybody. So easy to use with three different film sizes, mini, square or wide. And each has its own look and feel. From the colourful Mini 11 to the retro classic design of Mini 40, They are the perfect accessory for every social event in your calendar. So don't just take, give. Head to instax.co.uk to find out more. Let's go back to food, shall we? You said you went to a restaurant. What's your London eating situation? Have you got places where you walk in, they're like, hey, Ema, it's you, or... Yeah. Do you, do you, are you the type of person that rinses one particular place or are you like the person that dots around? Oh, I do dot around a bit, but um, I've got like a couple of local Italians and stuff that are, that are like my staples around North London, around Camden and like Kentish Town. And yeah, they're my favourite places. And then on the curse, Sipa is a massive foodie. And so yes. he's yeah. he's really good for food spots as well. Yeah, dear listener, if you didn't know, um, Alan Mustafa, aka Sipa for People Just Do Nothing, who obviously uh, Ema uh, played his partner in the brilliant Channel 4 series, The Curse, he is an incredible cook, isn't he? Like, loves food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's obsessed with food and has a YouTube series, I think. Or, yeah. Or, well, yeah, it's a YouTube thing called Taste Cadets. Um, and so when we were filming in Liverpool uh, on The Curse, he would have, like, all of the spots, like... He's never eating a meal that isn't good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's eating three good meals a day. <laughs> I respect him. Yeah, yeah. So he's really good to, to ask for what's good because he just, he knows the underground ones as well. It's not like the kind of popular glitzy restaurants. He knows where exactly to get good stuff everywhere. He's, he's not taking you to McDonald's. Even though we do occasionally love McDonald's, he's not taking <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. 
And also, I love that you let us know that you guys um, filmed The Curse in Liverpool because it was set in East London. But that, yeah. that set design is incredible. Like, like, how were you sort of like, I guess, pulling the references in like mentally, like as, as an actor? Because that those are so, such diff- so different cities. Also, it was a, it's a, I guess, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? And not an archaeological piece. It's a smarter word than that. It's an antique. <laughs> it's a, it's a, well, it's a period piece. It's a period, period piece. piece. Yeah. yeah. Set in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it was great because so much of Liverpool looks like London did, like, post-war, because it's there's bits that haven't been, re- been rebuilt, like, still have bomb damage, and it looks like East London down by the river. And they found this amazing old calf that was still... I mean, everything was still like it would have been in the 70s and 80s, like, and it was still operating, but it was, like, the grease was... Uh, just real. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I think all of those places in London have now been gentrified, so you just wouldn't find it in the same way. So it was amazing. Uh, could kind of really take you back to those, those what it would have been like then. Um, and like my character is like a East London girl who is you know runs a cafe with her husband, and um, she's like buttering toast all day and frying bacon, and that's kind of what what motivates her to mastermind this gold heist because she has to get out of that world and she wants to her hair to stop finally stop smelling of bacon grease I think I mean they did give you some fa- fabulous looks as well as do you think so <laughs> I mean like they but look whoever works in the costume department claps to them because it was you looked Lindsay fantastic. yeah you know she did she did I May Destroy You as well I think oh. she's a genius <laughs> She's that a genius. Checks out. She's, yeah, well, yeah. Big up Lindsay. She's very, very good at her job. Big up Lindsay. Massively. Um, would you say you're a fashion girly in McKenney? And if so, uh, talk to us about your London fashion moments. Oh, I am. I'm, I love clothes so much. I don't know if yeah. I'm a fashion girly because I, I feel like I try to keep it quite classic, but I do love clothes. And um, I love um, my favourite shop in the whole of London is Liberty. Yeah. Um, I love it so much. And I was in. <laughs> I was in um, a therapy session once when I, I had a lot of anxiety in my 20s and um, my my therapist was like, oh, I want to try this new psychological method on you, which is like when you get really anxious so you think you're going to have a panic attack, it's to take you to a place where you feel really safe and calm. And she was like doing all this tapping stuff on my arm and she was like, okay, let's, let's think of a place where you feel like really, really like, calm and happy. And I think she was expecting me to say like, a beach or you know a forest she was doing Park. yeah she's doing all this tapping stuff on my arm and at the end she went so where did you think of and I was like oh I didn't know I had to tell you and she was like no oh, go on and I was like um the scarf department in Liberty <laughs> well but you know what whatever makes you feel good it's full of colour <laughs> stimulus different textures I get it yeah makes you feel like a little kid yeah, like at Christmas, you know, like stroking all the scarves and just makes me feel like when I was uh, when I was starting out as an actress, go to all these big auditions in Soho, they were always in Soho. And afterwards, you're left with this like absolutely insane anxiety surge. And I didn't know what to do with myself. So I'd always go to Liberty and I'd just hang around the scarf department, just sort of stroking things, never buying anything because obviously it's insanely expensive. Oh, no. <laughs> but like just trying, like just enjoying the beauty of it all. And then by the time I came out, I'd be all right again. <laughs> so that's probably why it's my safe space. <laughs> and I don't know what, I love it for you. Um, talk to me more about, about the, I guess the London audition circuit for actors. So I'm so fascinated by that because yeah. 
obviously where I work at the BBC, it's down the road from Soho, like what pop, you know, we'll pop through for lunch. And you will always see someone like all groups of people looking like very stressed, queued outside of like certain offices or whatever. Like what, what is that like? Yeah, so I started acting when I was like 16 and I had this A to Z, little mini A to Z that was so well thumbed, but particularly the pages around Soho because all the auditions were in this little, you know, square mile basically. And they would always be in these little rabbit warreny casting director's offices up little stairs in Soho and you'd go in and it would just, you know, be in this little rickety room. And But then they'd be casting like Bond or like Transformers or something. And um and then it's really changed now. Now it's like all on, it's all self tapes. It's all over Zoom. You know, you don't have that. But there was this time for about five, ten years where I would just be going to these little places in Soho and full of anxiety and hope. And then you know, life changing moments. Um, and yeah, you're right. You'd meet people, all these different actors on the on the way in or on the way out. Um, so yeah, Soho definitely feels like acting to me because of that. Like it. it that's where it all began, really. And did you did you go to a drama school, or were you sort of like I guess self taught, or like what was your? Were you yeah? I did loads of youth drama, so I went to Anna Share, which is in Islington, <gasps> yeah, which is where like Daniel Kaluuya went. Loads of actors from. And uh, Reggie Yates has spoken about it on this podcast, actually. Yeah. Yes, Reggie. Yeah. Um, loads of loads of actors who went into EastEnders because um, there's yeah they have really really diverse roster of teenagers and kids who are actors and um yeah so I was one of them and uh that's how I got my first job because they had a little agency and it's how a lot of like young actors got their first job if they didn't go to drama school so I didn't go to drama school I did Anna Share and did National Youth Theatre and those kind of things and um then ended up getting into um TV from there how how important like do you feel those spaces are like Anna Shea? From what I understand, Anna Shea, you don't have to pay to go there, do you? Yeah, or at least it's very cheap. It's like the, in comparison yeah, not, to the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so important. I mean, youth drama is so important because it's you know drama school is so selective and you know difficult to get into. And I tried a couple of times and and uh, didn't work, but. You want to be able to attract as uh, you know a wide range of people because you need to be able to play a wide, wide range of characters on ca- on mm. screen. Um, so those places are really vital. Um, and also, you only know you can only do what you can see. You know, you you have to be able to. If you don't know anybody who has ever done that, or you know, kind of in, invited you to do that, then it's really difficult to just decide to um I mean there's like that an amazing acting school in Nottingham actually I can't remember what it's called but it's like Vicky McClaw loads of all of the uh I think um Jack O'Connell there's all these actors it's like if you get people in when they're a teenager then you give them the opportunity to see it as a job and see it as a future you don't really come from like a starry family at all like (laughs) no no my my uh dad's um background is like a Irish building family. My grandpa came over from Ireland with um, four of his brothers and um, they all lived in a house in Holloway and they had a building company on Holloway Road. And yeah, that's that's my North London. That's the sort of London Irish North London. That's my where my family's from. 
Are you still sort of in touch with the sort of, um, I guess, the London Irish community? Because like, I follow, obviously I'm friends with, but follow like Dermot, Dermot O'Leary and Laura Whitmore and the wonderful Ashleen B. And I see occasionally they go, so I think it's supposed to call it the, the island. The London Irish Centre. Yes, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It looks yeah. like the best one. Yeah, it's the it's in Camden. We right. actually we actually always do the read through for the curse. In we've done it for the past two times in the London Irish Centre, um, and it's so close to me because I'm from Camden, and so I, I love doing it there. Um, and I'm always promising myself that I'm going to go there and do Irish lessons, and then I never do because <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's a really great place. Yeah, is it, I just I'm, I'm really I'm always really intrigued by like I guess yeah the. I guess the communities that we have in the city because you know but I don't really I kind of do and don't know much about the sort of Irish community like in London like I went to school with a lot of Irish Catholic girls and, and, and yes yeah. yeah and that's yeah, yeah. it yeah 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 um well because like North London Camden Kentish Town Kilburn Cricklewood Holloway that was where all the Irish came to really and like the Whittington Hospital in Archway did this massive campaign to get Irish women to come over and become nurses so that's how they all came over and ended up in this area of London and I love it I mean they've all grown up and like it's all slightly dispersed now um but I love it when you kind of go past the corner shop and it says like Irish newspapers of food sold here or, you know, the old Irish pubs or whatever. You can still see the kind of remnants of a really strong community. And it's definitely like we are the the next generation, and you know, even the second generation beyond that. Um, but it's nice to see that history around. And yeah. it's definitely had a massive imprint on this part of the city because of all the pubs and, you know, that kind of community. Um, and yeah, I love it. Um, and would you say like, because there's one thing I know about all the Irish people that I know anyway, they have got a grounding that is so unique. Like Irish people will never let you get too big for your boots. <laughs> like ever. So I'm guessing you don't get like a hero's welcome when you tell it to family folks. Like, oh my God, it's, <laughs> she's on TV now. Why? I'm <laughs> What's it like? Like with the community, like when you like turn up to things and like, like family I, I think, I think, the, I think the Irish are well known for just a really good sense of humour. Do you know what I mean? Just like yeah. the crack, basically. So it's basically, it's all about what's funny and like, yeah, bringing you back down to earth. But yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think I do get any kind of heroes welcome. <laughs> so Eva, do the dishes. Was that a good Irish accent? Yeah, it was all Eva, right. Do, the, do, yeah. do you know what? I just, but my, let me know. They're, also, they're also like really good champions though because I said to my dad my mum and dad are really against like messaging out to be like oh watch watch some our kids show or whatever because they're like it's just they feel like it's like bragging or whatever but my dad said okay no when Karen Puri came out he was like alright I'm going to message the London Irish golfing club I'm going to message the London Irish rugby club and all, and, he, and he put it out and he, he said he got loads back from them so I guess you know they are proud in some way <laughs> Love that, love that. I want to talk to you about music because I know you're like your most favourite uh, memorable London gig because I know you look, you're a music girl. Also, the music selection in Karen Peary is really good. Oh, thank you so much. Really good. Yeah, no, the theme tune is my favourite. I listen to that so much. It's a bop, it's a bop. Oh, thank you. Do you remember the first gig you went to as a as a teenager? Oh my God. Or your last memorable one, whatever really. You know, okay, this isn't my best gig, but the most memorable one is I went to see... ASAP Rocky at the Electric Ballroom just before he was big. <laughs> yeah, I love the Electric Ballroom because it's so small and seen so many people there before they've become massive. And um, <laughs> I just remember this ASAP gig where he was on stage and he uh, crowd surfed and um, someone took his Rolex off his wrist. 
I remember reading about that. <laughs> and, yes. And he stopped the gig. And it was just really funny because, you know, all the music is about like boasting about how rich you are and like all, all how swaggy you are. And then like someone takes his watch off and like runs to the back of the room, which isn't that big. And ASAP was like, everyone, he just took my Rolex, get him. And then like everyone just like pinned this guy to the back of the electric ballroom. <laughs> and then like got the rolex back security like dragged the guy from from the room and then like asa got his watch back and the gig went on and i just remember being like what is happening i'll tell you what's happening a gig in camden that's 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 what's happening yeah Yeah, exactly um answer me this as you you know you've been on screen you're you're behind screen like you write and you're a showrunner you are you're that girl um (laughs) Out and about, do you, do you get clocks quite often? Like, do you still take public transport, or are you very much like I'm just going to ride my bike, or I'm going to hop in a taxi? Like, what's your what's your relationship like with? Uh, obviously, we know your love story on the buses. Yeah. In 2022, what's I love in? a bus. I love the bus. I'm not a tube girl. I find it. Um, I have a bit of anxiety about being underground. Um, so I just love the bus, and I love being able to see everything, and you know. Um, so I'm definitely a bus girl. Uh, but no, no, do you know what? I don't get clocked very often um, because I think I got clocked so much when I was in EastEnders that like it, it, it sort of surged then and nothing can ever compare to that to me. So I feel very low key now. Um, <laughs> and that infamous blue streak in your hair. Exactly. But it's also <laughs> one of those weird fames where people are like, they know your face, but like they don't know who you are. So they're like, did you go to college with my cousin? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I, maybe. <laughs> I think you should play along. Yeah. <laughs> Create a character. It's what you do professionally. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're, you're you're still a bus girl. I love a bus. Do you, I mean, do you, are you somebody that secretly like takes notes and observes people for like, for future? Um... Yeah, massively. I, I found the COVID lockdown really hard for um, writing because of just not hearing conversations all the time. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I wrote on a show um, called Save Me, um, Lenny James show, which is all about, you know, it's all set in London, it's in South London, mm. but it feels like it's one of the most London shows I've ever seen on ca- on screen because it, it's all set around a pub and a, an estate. And um, Lenny has this way of writing London voices that I think is just like amazing and it's really poetic on the page. And I, like, I love that uh, really conversational um kind of way of writing just like super observant about people and uh I just feel like sometimes you need to be on like a bus or in a pub or you know standing in a queue just for things to spark for you because it's always those that are weird anomalies the things that people say that are a bit odd that that make writing feel real and really sing so uh yeah I feel like if you if you don't if you aren't in public spaces enough, then it's, it, it takes that inspiration away. So yeah, I, I love that. I have, have a lot of notes on my phone that are completely bizarre. <laughs> Do you ever look back at anything you've written? You're just like, eh? yeah, and I was like, like yeah. And just like weird little phrases. And I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like what the hell? Cause you probably heard it on the 241, you see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, right, finally, let me ask you this, because I ask everybody this. If you could be in charge, yeah, for one day, yeah. what would you impose on your fellow Londoner? What would you have, what would you have happen? Oh, my God. I think I'd like to... Um, this is so worthy. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> please. I think I'd, 
I'd get all the five-star hotels and four-star hotels in London to open up their doors and all the homeless people could go and have a luxury night. <laughs> and that is a great answer. Okay, good. That is a great answer. Look, you're, def- you're definitely going to heaven. Okay, it's good, all thank good. you. The, the pearly gates are open, I'm sure. Eva Kenny, it has been a delight to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to The City. And if you liked it, don't forget, you can tell your mates or one better. If you visited any of the spots we talked about and have a story, let me know on socials. Remember, you can like, rate and subscribe in all the usual podcast places. See you next time. Listener.